I mean, it'd be easier to jump about? on that train and take that back For and sure. sleep it off. That's an. <laughs> you paint a wonderful picture of the train. Well, I suppose all you, those mouth breathers in Car Four. <laughs> have you have you ridden the Amtrak back from a Cubs game? I have. <laughs> Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios. This is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. 11 minutes after 8 on Wisconsin's Morning News. It's back to the future in the state of Wisconsin as there's at least some talk about reviving old rail lines or in some cases building new rail lines that would once again reconnect a number of Wisconsin cities that historically were well connected by rail service back in the day. I think about this a lot, Eric, and this isn't its just a quick aside, but my mother-in-law lives in Waterford, and so we drive from Greendale, where I live on the south side. We go right there on Loomis Road, right down to Waterford and towards Burlington. Okay. And there's a rails-to-trails thing there where that used to be a line, and it, it's not like something like Amtrak, like what we're talking about, but there was like a commuter rail line back in the day that connected Burlington and Waterford and some of those little stops and Wind Lake mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and would take you all the way up here into Milwaukee County. And I'm not saying that should still exist, but it's just interesting to me as I look at where we used to be. Yeah. And you talk with folks who were still around from many years ago. We talk about taking the train up to Green Bay. One of my favorite stops when I lived up there for so many years was the brewery that's in the old train station. Yes. Yeah, right there, there on the, uh, yeah. would that be the west side of the river? Mm-hmm. So just across from the downtown area off of Broadway. It's Titletown Brewery. There you go. Titletown Brewery. I was thinking Company. Hinterland, but I knew that wasn't right. That's right near there, yeah. but it's across the street. Yep, and yep. It's, it's in that beautiful old train depot, and you look at people out on the platform in the day yeah, waiting for cool. the train. Might take the train down to Milwaukee or, or whatever. So this was old, and what's old is new again, is there's now a state projection out that passenger rail uh, service could draw some quarter of a million new riders within a decade if it were expanded to various communities. Uh, there was a report out earlier this week that I saw from the Department of Transportation, and Milwaukee Journal Sentinel wrote it up today. Molly Beck has the story. State transportation officials who want to expand Amtrak to Wisconsin's population centers of Madison, Green Bay, Waukesha County, and other communities project the move could attract 250,000 new passengers to the trains within a decade and an additional 1.6 million by 2050. This is all part of the state DOT long-term plan for Wisconsin rail. Now, already, if folks listen to the show regularly, they might have heard something in there. Projections of all of these riders. That's the first thing I thought of when I when I saw this come out with the projections, because I know how you feel. Right. You're always bagging on the <laughs> magic bus because they say all these billions of people are going to ride the bus and all this. Yeah, so, you don't believe that people will ditch their cars to take that bus line in or out of downtown. That is correct. That's my position yes. on the magic yep, bus. Yep, yep. That said, I think this is a different issue, and I haven't had time to really vet those types of numbers or where they're getting that data or why they think that would be so attractive to that quarter of a million new riders. Mm-hmm. But I'm a little bit less skeptical about that number than I am for the Magic Bus. I just have a better sample of that. I know I've lived around here almost my entire life. I know what people's driving habits are. Sure. But if you're offering something that doesn't exist right now, which is a rail service to some of these other communities, at least that's new and different. So I'm open to it. I'm open to exploring it. I did at first thought think like, hmm, you know, my brother lives up in Green Bay. It'd be kind of cool if we were taking the family, you know, up to visit him, hop on the train instead of drive the two mm-hmm. hours there, two hours back or whatever. You think of going to Madison. If I were going to a Badger game or something, boy, it sure be nice to not 
have to drive your car, worry about parking. Where am I going to park this? Then we walk. You have a couple thing, of right? drinks, perhaps all that right. stuff, and just not worry about it. Might be fun and and convenient. But I already give myself pause and immediately pull back on that because when I consider public transportation of any kind, I run it through the ringer of three criteria. In order for it to be effective, it has to save you time, has to save you money, or it has to save you effort. Ideally, it would do all three, or by effort, I mean hassle. Ideally, it would do all three. Very seldom does it. You'd like to have two, at least one, and if it does none of those things, then it's not a worthwhile <laughs> well, project. Effort would be automatic, right? Because you're not efforting by driving, you're riding the train. So let's break that down. Let's start there with any sort of rail project. It's not going to pick you up at your door. And again, we're talking about if you have a car. Certainly if you don't have a vehicle, it'd be easier to get to Madison if there was some sort of, of service course. that did that. Uh, so let's just course. talk about... Saying you have, assuming you have access to a vehicle and you could just as well drive to these other donation uh, destinations, let's consider effort. Okay, I could either hop in my car in my garage and drive it right to my brother's house in Green Bay. Okay, and what door to door in two hours? So and well, pay the gas and yada yada yada. Yeah, but let's let's focus on the hassle bit. Okay, it's not like I'm caught in traffic on the way to Green Bay. Or back, generally speaking. Sometimes during Packer a game, game maybe. Okay. especially those Milwaukee games. All right, so maybe you avoid that headache of the traffic. But in terms of whether or not it saves you trouble, I still then would have to get in my car and drive to, say, downtown for the train station there or pick it up at the airport, at the airport stop. Mm -hmm. So I still got to get in my car. I still got to make that stop. Then I got to go out there. Then I got to wait for it. I got to buy my tickets. I got to do all of those things. I get on the train. Then it takes me to Green Bay. It's not going to drop me off. At my brother's house, it's not going to drop me off at Lambeau Field. There's yet another step of buying a ticket on something, calling an Uber, doing a thing. So is it saving you that much hassle? Now, when you look at it, the Hiawatha line is really successful with Amtrak when it goes down to Chicago. That's the one back and forth from Chicago to Milwaukee. It's really successful mm -hmm. because it does save you hassle. Think about driving. You want to go, go into Chicago right now where you'd be, you got a nine o'clock meeting in Chicago. You live in Milwaukee or somewhere here in Southeast Wisconsin. And you think about hitting traffic right now. I mean, you drive that area more than me. Yeah, run down that corridor. 8.16 a.m. and you're trying to get into downtown Chicago? Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Forget it. What a headache. And then on top of that, then you got to, you know, not only are you fighting the traffic, but then you got to find some place to park if you're downtown. And that gets us into the cost factor. So I was checking earlier today. You can do a round trip depending on the fare that you take with Amtrak right now. Back and forth, Milwaukee to Chicago, it's a $50 trip plus probably some fees and things in there on the low end. You can pay a little bit more. It's $50 round trip. So I established, I want to go backwards. I established that in a situation like if you're going out to Chicago, you might save hassle. I don't know that that's necessarily the case going to Green Bay or going to Madison. So if we're going to Green Bay or Madison or Minneapolis, and yeah, I could drive to, you know, one of the towns they mentioned in the article in the JS was Pewaukee. If there was a spot in Pewaukee. Sure, you could pick it up right there. Yep. So if it was maybe. high speed, that'd be super awesome. If it was super, super fast, like Scafidi talks about, 200 mile per hour thing, sure. That's the other thing. The type of high speed rail that we have here in America is not what they have in Europe. It's not what they have in Asia. Those things are 200 miles an hour plus. Our high-speed rail is like 110. So why can't we have that? We could. It's just super expensive, and the infrastructure is, you know, it's a huge build-out. You can't have at-rail crossings with things going hundreds of miles an <laughs> okay, hour. Okay, yeah, right? good point. 
So it's super expensive. But that would at least get into the time crunch issue. If we're talking about running traditional Amtrak here to Madison or even here to Minneapolis, right now they have that. The Empire mm-hmm, Building right. does stop in Minneapolis out of Milwaukee. That is a forever trip. And it runs historically late because you stop in all these places and it doesn't go that fast. And it's not, you know, kind of gate to gate like we have. And so it's not faster. If it were faster, that'd be another thing. But it looks to me like how they're, how they're laying this out. If you're just talking about standard Amtrak going to all these places, it's not going to save you time. But why do we assume that everyone's going to be driving cars? I mean, we talk about um, self-driving cars and how there's a proliferation of that coming. Are there others who are just not going to have vehicles? We're trying to save money. People aren't making as much or they don't want to, they have a ton of, whether it's trying to pay off their college, to, you know, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Does that come into play at all where we'll rely more on a rail or a BRT? So it's kind of which has to come first, the chicken or the egg, right? Right now, I think it would be really hard, say, for a family of four living in suburban Milwaukee, to survive without cars. In maybe suburban Chicago, maybe that's different. You have a lot more access to rail from point A to point B and things like that. Well, okay, well, it would be hard because we don't have, we, that means we need to build more rail. We need to do st- I just feel like we would have to build out so much more yeah. in order to make it possible to survive without a car and do all the things you want to do. Like I play golf. Okay, say I want to play golf in Oconomowoc this weekend or I want to go out to Nagawaki there in Waukesha. Yeah. How would I do that with no car? Uber. Well, okay, so that's not a cost saver for me, really, <laughs> or a convenience saver. It's going to pick me up at four thirty you know in the morning. Do? We should do uh, no drive June. There's no mo May. How am I getting here? Are you going to come pick me up? <laughs> I don't, oh, you'd have to figure that part out. How am I getting here in the middle of the night? <laughs> We'd have to figure that part out. There's still, you know, we have to iron out a few kinks, but we should try to see if we can go a whole week without driving. 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank, get old. I'm curious, expanding Amtrak to other points in Wisconsin, talking about Green Bay, talking about Madison, and when you talk about Green Bay, all little stops yep. along the way, into Waukesha County. Something that you're open to at least exploring. I'm open to looking at it, but I'm skeptical. 820 on Wisconsin's Morning News. <laughs> On 825 on Wisconsin's Morning News, we're talking about the Wisconsin Department of Transportation projections for the future of rail service, and they're talking specifically about Amtrak. So we're not uh, talking, this is not light rail, it's not commuter rail, it's your Amtrak service, but extending that back out to where passenger rail service used to be, visiting places like Green Bay and a number of points on the way. I suppose if it went up through the valley, it might stop in Appleton, as that line once did. If you go up the North Shore, maybe it would stop in Sheboygan, maybe it would stop in Manitowoc. What about all that? How about out to Madison? How about out to Minneapolis? A lot of people want to talk about what this possibility would be. My skepticism remains, it's got to save you time, got to save you money, or it's got to save you hassle. It has to do at least one of those things. You would prefer it to do all three. I'll take even just one of them. From the old National Bank Talk and Text Line 855-616-1620, PJ in Greenfield. Guys, I've always thought that rail to Green Bay and Madison would be a viable option for sports. For college students, parents visiting would be comparable to taking a bus. Should at least look at it objectively without poo-pooing it. 
Maybe a good idea, maybe not, but let's at least look at it objectively and honestly, facts please, unless opinions then the public can decide. Thank you. See, so that's what I would need to see. I think they're exactly right. Lay it out there. Tell me what it looks like. Tell me how much it would cost round trip, because it's not cheap right now to take Amtrak. Like I said, it's $50 round trip Milwaukee to Chicago. So then you start doing the math. Could you get to your destination for less if we were talking about gas money plus parking? Things like that. If, in terms of whether or not it saves you money trip per trip. And then here's the other thing. Like we mentioned taking it to a ball game, taking it to a football game, Packer game, Badger game, whatever. If, you got, if you're going up with two or four people, hey, we all split the money for gas. That's one thing. It gets pretty cheap, even with gas at three fifty four dollars yeah, a gallon. It gets a lot less expensive unless you're talking about four people all having that $50 per fare. Now you're up to 200 bucks. Yeah. I still think there's that whole idea of you could be safer as well, though, given the amount of alcohol that people like to consume at some kind of sporting event. Especially. Where, sporting events? I mean, it'd <laughs> be easier to jump about? on that train and take that back For and sure. sleep it off. That's an... <laughs> <laughs> you paint a wonderful picture of the trip. Well, I suppose all you, those mouth breathers in Car Four. <laughs> have you have you ridden the Amtrak back from a Cubs game? I have. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there's, there's some mouth breathing going on oh, here yeah. on that ride home. Heck, on the ride down there. <laughs> oh, let's see here. There are only eight Packers games a year. Give me a break. That's from the 414. Yeah, if you're doing it solely because it makes it easier to get to and from Lambeau Field, uh, that's not the reason. You'd have to demonstrate that there'd be ridership you know, that is sustained well beyond mm-hmm. that. From the 920, we are a great country, but we need to learn to take some lessons from other countries. I visit Germany periodically for work, and I never need to rent a car due to the public transit system. I can get anywhere I want to go in the city or even other cities. It's much cheaper and often faster. It's time to step up our game here. See, I like that, and I believe in that. Here's, here's my hang-up on that, though. For us to get to that point where you can so conveniently live without a vehicle, I'm not talking about New York or L.A. or Chicago. Even. Yeah. I'm talking about here in southeast Wisconsin. For us to get to that point where in urban and suburban Milwaukee, let's just even just say Milwaukee, where you could do all the things that you normally want to do with your car without a car. We're not that connected yet by transit. And what it would take to get to that point is so much infrastructure, so much cost that we might have missed the boat on that because we didn't do it all those years ago. Or we didn't. We ripped it out. I mean, we had a robust streetcar system, the old North Shore line, all these suburban commuters as well. Used to be a line that went right by where American Family Field is now. That went out to Waukesha. We ripped all that out. We built freeways instead. Well, that ship has sailed. That's what we did. You can go back and say, relitigate history and say 70 years ago we shouldn't have done that. But we did. And now we're here. And to build out all that infrastructure again, brand new, it's cost prohibitive. So then we're not as interconnected with all these different modes of transit that we would need to be in order for people, most people, to say, I flat don't need a car here. I think still to do a lot of the things that we want to do, you got to have a car. Or if not, I mean, think about just going to Brewers games, right? The number of people that will go to an establishment and then take a shuttle to the Brewers game. So there's definitely that interest in that. There's a a desire for that, right. Hmm. But asking one one of the pubs or whatever to... Buy one of those bus limousines or whatever they call them versus that's different. Yep. installing no, right. rails you're and right. running it f- through a public entity. Cost structure is completely different. Still think people would take the hop, though, if it went to Fiserv and to AmFam. They absolutely would. At what cost, though? Right? Have the money to build that out. Right now, we don't. 830 on Wisconsin's Morning News.
32 on Wisconsin's morning news. One more point here as we wrap up our conversation about transit and Amtrak and all that I was talking about at what cost in terms of building out any of these things that connect us. And you mentioned extending the hop out at out to American Family Field. And someone texted in, at what cost? Mm, eight blocks of tracks, as if that's a nothing. The 2.1 mile stretch of the hop that we have right now cost $125 million just to put it in. So it's not nothing. It's not a long distance, but rail is extremely expensive, especially when you talk about putting it into the streets, because the first thing they got to do is go underneath the ground and move all these utilities around, move the steam lines that exist under the city, move the power lines, all of that stuff that's under there, bunch of infrastructure that you have to move under the surface. And that's why rail, putting rails in the ground is super expensive. $125 million just for the two miles. And this, what, for a city that right now is... <laughs> Begging for more money just to fund its police department, just to stay afloat. So that's why I say it's cost prohibitive. Eight thirty-eight on Wisconsin's morning news. Another story that's starting to gain traction, and you'll hear a little bit more about it in the coming days. We're just learning about it, even though it's tied to an incident that happened. Sounds like about a month ago, where you had a home invasion of a high-level government official who had Secret Service detail protection on site, Mm -hmm. and somebody got into this guy's house. One of the prominent names of uh, national security. It's a guy named Jake Sullivan. He was the victim of a home invasion last month. He wasn't hurt, but the What's feds he, like, now. like number two guy at like Homeland Security? Yeah, he's up there. He's definitely up there. He gets FaceTime with the commander-in-chief yeah. on this. So somebody you would hope would have Secret Service protection mm-hmm. and would thus be protected. And it did not happen. It's 3 a.m. in the morning in late April, and a strange man simply walks through an unlocked door into the home of the National Security Advisor, one of the most important people in all of U.S. government. And the story gets worse. There's a detail of Secret Service agents outside who apparently do not see him go in. (laughs) Yes, so then he's in there. Uh, That's ABC's Pierre Thomas. A little bit more. The man is confronted by Jake Sullivan and leaves within minutes. But this can't happen, and the Secret Service knows it. They've launched an investigation to see what went wrong, why all the layers of security failed, why no alarms went off, and they want to know what in the world were those agents doing. They apparently did not even see the man leave. I'm told security changes have already been in place. So the man left. Sullivan came out to alert the agents. Uh, hey, out the back door here. I just let a drunk guy out. Just just, just let so you know, know I had an uninvited guest who was in here in my house in case you all wanted to anyway, check up on this. Have a good night. I'll see you in the morning. Uh, the intruder appeared to be intoxicated, confused about where he was. There is no evidence the person knew Sullivan or sought to harm him. So it could have been just a drunk who opened the door and walked into a house. And, um, yeah, imagine finding that. Which can happen. I mean, so this was nothing more than that. So it makes it less about this particular person and intruder and more about the larger issue of what if it had been someone hell-bent on doing harm to the National Security Advisor. And here you have Secret Service now scrambling to figure out exactly what happened here and what why. What did happen? 
That's a great question. What did happen? What are you doing? Then they were outside, too. It's not like, well, we were in a different area of this. Like, what did happen? Well, A, how come the door's not locked? See, I wonder how, I wonder <laughs> if that happens. Doors? I wonder if that happens more than you realize. Because I got detail? Because I got people? Well, just in general, people leaving their homes unlocked. You know, that's funny. Quick aside is you often hear that uh, every now and then there'll be a rash of break-ins, whether they be home break-ins or vehicle break-ins in one of our suburban communities. And you'll have the police department. The chief will usually put something out. Hey, just reminding people, got to lock your car doors and got to lock the doors to your house. And your service door and all these different doors. What year do you think this is and where do you think you live? Yeah, I'm (laughs) I'm sure that happens a lot. I remember I had some friends who bought a house, and they were laughing because the owners who they bought the house from didn't have a key for them. <laughs> like, didn't have a house key. We're, like, scrambling to find one because they just... They just never locked their house? <laughs> yeah. That's going to not work for us moving in here. going to take care of that. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, so I, I think there is something there, there. But, yes, in this case, the larger issue is clearly the Secret Service, and they'll have to figure that out. And they've had a, a kind of a tough run in the last decade or we've so, had, right? like, number of high-profile Yes, we've had fails. guys get into the White House. We had, but they had an overseas trip during the Obama administration, too. Uh, I want to say it was South America somewhere where guys were doing things they weren't supposed to be doing on the front end of the detail, mm-hmm. things like that. I tell you, the only... The only times I've ever, and, and you and I have had more contact with the Secret Service probably than most because we've covered presidential visits yep. and such. I always find it to be a super impressive operation. Sure. Yes, like, I agree. You're like, wow, this is this is tight. But then you look closer and it's like there are, there are holes in it, which is not good. I mean, regardless of your politics, no matter, you know, well, it's, this is the Biden White House, so it doesn't matter. Or this is, oh, this is Trump or like. These folks are here to protect the institutions, Mm -hmm. regardless of politics. Okay, so speaking of things that might keep you up at night, the head of the popular artificial intelligence company, Chad GPT, appears before a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing and says, yeah, this could get bad if we do not have regulation. We understand that people are anxious about how it could change the way we live. We are too. But we believe that we can and must work together to identify and manage the potential downsides so that we can all enjoy the tremendous upsides. That is Sam Altman. Yep, he's the CEO saying, yeah, we we should make a change here. We should have some type of guideline in place before things go crazy. I think if this technology goes wrong, it can go quite wrong. uh, And we want to be vocal about that. We want to work with the government to prevent that from happening. Not the most amazing thing you've ever heard. (laughs) Maybe. Every time these guys open their mouths, they say more incredible stuff about the technology they're inventing that they're already worried is, if not now, we'll soon get away from them. We need you to be a pain in our ass is basically what they're saying. (laughs) How many tech executives or company executives of any kind march a path to Washington and beg to be regulated? That, te- that ought to tell you, like, how scary this territory is. Committee Chair Senator Dick Durbin. I can't recall when we've had people representing large corporations or private sector entities come before us and plead with us to regulate them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, the Senator. the amazing thing? And, like, still, the odds of this happening slim <laughs> at the moment because they don't know what to do with that. They don't – it's not – still trying to get their arms around Facebook. Trying to figure out what YouTube is doing. 
Then lawmakers aren't going to be able to write up anything on regulating AI. Yeah, They'll we, ask AI to do it. They'll probably write, Chess, hey, how, how should we regulate you, GPT? Well, wasn't the suggestion from one of the senators that Altman would sit on a board that would regulate this? Well, that's great. You know, Fox right. Garden, the hen house. But even though he's asking for it, you know, yeah. like that's not the relationship you want. But to your point, the guys inventing this stuff don't even fully understand it. You're asking Congress to? Comedians have had a heyday when... Other, you know, Zuckerbergs and, and and friends have gone there to talk about social media, like you mentioned, Facebook mm-hmm. or Instagram or whatever. And you hear some of these guys, is that going to be on the Twitter then? <laughs> I know about the Twitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So him coming through that, I, I think this is all good signs. And by the way, he also believes that Chad GPT and some of this other AI will create jobs. He says that they can do tasks he doesn't believe that they'll take a ton of jobs away. Maybe to start, there'll be some weird ebb and flow there, but he believes in the end that AI will help create jobs rather than take jobs That's away. That's what I'm not hearing a lot of. Like, what, what's in it for us? What's the advantage? Sure, to make some things easier, some tasks easier, whatever, but if it t- becomes a net negative, then that's a problem. And I, I always say this about social media. Social media allows us to do a lot of great things. But to me, it's always been, or at least is becoming, a net negative, where despite the good things, despite once in a while being able to laugh at a funny TikTok or to be able to interact directly with people on Twitter, to be able to put your messages out, things like that, at the end of the day, and I hate that phrase, but really in the final analysis, if you prefer that, it's a net negative. It causes more harm than the good that it creates. And if I feel like we're on that path with AI already. Yeah, there's a new study out that's saying that we're even more depressed than we thought as, as a <laughs> yes. society. So we have that. Um, here's something that'll make you feel a little bit better. Perhaps Indiana Jones movies will last forever. And there'll be more and more great ones even after Harrison Ford is gone. Why would that happen? Well... AI could make it so. Tom Hanks, who I know is not Indiana Jones, is... Oh, but uh, I, like me, I like me some Tom Hanks. Yeah, Tom Hanks had a great career. He is actually Forrest, delved into... Forrest Gump the series. Right, well, maybe. <laughs> the Adventures of Forrest Gump. So he did AI, a form of it, you could argue, 20 years ago with the Polar Express. It was a movie that was like all CG. So they all already had his data in place. And he told this podcast... He was on this uh, podcast, I want to get the name right, the Adam Buxton podcast. He said, yeah, that's when I first realized that this is what it's going to end up being. We saw that there was going to be this ability in order to take zeros and ones inside a computer and turn it into a face and a character. Now, that has only grown a billion fold since then, and we see it everywhere. And I can tell you that there is discussions going on in all of the guilds, all of the agencies and all in the legal firms in order to come up with the legal ramifications of my face and my voice and everybody else's being our intellectual property. Yeah, and then being able to protect that. So Hanks is already talking like, hey, I could, I could still make movies when I'm gone. You know, I could pitch a seven-movie series where I'm 32 years old in every one of those movies and make f- money for, you know, whether it's his family, his estate, uh, charity, even when he's gone. So is that something we'd even want? And then who ultimately owns that? We'll hit that next on Wisconsin's Morning News. 8.53 on Wisconsin's Morning News. A couple other points here on the artificial intelligence. You mentioned that could they make Tom Hanks movies years after Tom Hanks is gone using the ingredients that they put into the artificial intelligence to pipe that out? 
Is it, would this be the same thing? Now, they did a little of this, I feel like, in Rogue One, right? That's how yes. we saw Princess Leia looking exactly like Princess Leia did in 4. You saw Princess Leia and you saw, I can't, his name's escaping me, uh, uh, an actor who died decades ago who they also brought back in that same movie. Oh, was that Tuck? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. And so, okay, so yeah. who, who gets some of that money? So who, you know? right, who gets yes. paid for those So a state was reached out to in that case, uh, his family and estate. And what Hanks is basically saying, Tom Hanks talking about how like, hey, they're going to make movies about me likely when I'm gone. For him, it's about like making sure that you protect it yourself. Like as an actor, he needs to protect his image and his voice, but also trying to figure out whether or not that's good for the industry or for the viewer. Look, you know, I could be hit by a bus tomorrow and that's it. But my performances can go on and on and on and on and on. And outside of the understanding that it's been done with AI or deep fake, there'll be nothing to tell you that it's not me and uh, and me alone. And it's going to have some degree of of lifelike uh, quality. And that is that's certainly an artistic challenge, but it's also a legal one. Sure, but I think people will be able to tell. Without a doubt, without a doubt, people will be able to tell. But the question is, will they care? I don't even know if I agree with Hanks that that we'll be able to tell. It's hard to tell right now. Yeah. I mean, you can can sort of see, and you can find it. If you're looking for it, you can see, ah, no, that wasn't. It would be interesting to see how the actual acting takes place, too, because, you know, every, every character is different. You know, we'll know because we'll know he had died. Well, sure. That's a good <laughs> There's point. There's that. There, there. <laughs> All right, fair enough. There you go, Deb. There's one, That's one a good way point. to see it. That's a I good thought point. Sean Connery was dead. But there is some, I don't know, there, there is some intriguing possibility about that when you bring back somebody or you show them young. I, I do think that's cool. Like this new Indiana Jones movie is going to have a young Harrison Ford in at least part of it. And that's just kind of neat. Well, you always have me at Indiana Jones, so I'm I'm good there with whatever they do. Yeah. I you know, I wonder if folks you and I talk about this a lot. We've been talking about it a lot because you're fascinated by it, I'm fascinated by it. It has all of these different facets. I just find it extraordinary. I hope people don't get exhausted hearing about it because imagine like the the internet and all of its reaches seem to have snuck up on us. Right? Like I don't remember testimony before Congress saying there's this thing, it's the internet, it's kind of out there right now, but it's going to really explode in popularity. Pretty soon we're all going to be connected and it's going to do this and it's going to do this and it's going to do this. Like, What if we could have gone back right before that really exploded into its current form and talked about where it was going to go or the smartphone? talked about what's going to happen with this device, the social media, and where that's going to go. They're all the called things it's going apps. To you remember that? <laughs> yeah, it was brand new. Yeah. Or there's that classic uh, it's that classic Katie Couric clip. She's with Bryant Gumbel. Oh, are they talking about the internet or whatever? Yeah. yeah. And Email or something. Yeah, she, she was asking it something. What is, uh, I can't think of it now. What is this? And it was something that's now super common. But like they had no idea what it was at the time. So we're able, actually, because I think the people creating it are on the forefront and it, putting it out there, we're able right now to at least speculate out what is this going to look like and is it good for us. That, that much, at least, seems to be new. 856 on Wisconsin's Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. It. They were asking, what is the internet? On the Today Show 1994. Let me see if I can play this for you. Six Pass, I wasn't prepared to translate that. 
as opposed to that little tease. Oh, that's that right. little mark Dumbledore. with the A and then the ring around it. At. See, that's what I said. Mm-hmm. Um, Katie said she thought it was about. Yeah. Oh. But I'd never heard Around it. I'd never heard it said. Back. I'd always mark, but never yeah. heard it said. And then yeah. it sounded stupid when I said it. Violence at NBC. Uh, yeah, I heard be around being fired up in the lunchroom the other See? week. <laughs> there it is. Violence at NBC. GE com. I mean, well, what Allison should know. What, what do you is say internet about anyway? <laughs> Didn't they sound like they were, morons? They were putting up a website, yeah. and, he's, and it ends in .com, and he just said, com. What is G-E-com? What is, Allison, what is internet? Hashtag. 1994. All these Hashtag. years later. All these years later, we figured it out. Sort of. Now we're now at the forefront of another. AI, baby. Quick, I know we're late. Quick compliment. I'm, I'm talking to my lovely wife, Kathy, yesterday. She goes, you know, I really, really love that 8 o'clock hour with Vince and Eric. Oh, that's nice. So I say to her, when's the last time you complimented me about something on my show? Crickets. When Crickets. Once she didn't come up with a date. Oh my god. Anyway, that was. Well, the, that I tell was you, it. thank you, Kathy. It's good listening. It is. I did listen to about five minutes of it. Yeah, we're a great lead-in for you. And I shouldn't because you took welcome. a shot at me earlier about Churchill Town Square, but I'm, I'm going to be the bigger man and let it go. Right. It it's genius what that. you did down there. Genius. Nine oh one. Steve Scafidi is next on WTMJ. How does one, what do you write to it, like mail? No, a lot of people use it and communicate. I guess they can communicate with NBC writers and producers. Allison, can you explain what internet is? 